So we are continuing, it's the Sunday after Easter, and we are continuing from last week's Easter experience. And if you weren't here last week, in the nine o'clock service, we told the, the story of the crucifixion, of the resurrection. And then in the 11 o'clock experience, we had a meditative experience where I invited you to blindfold yourself and to go down into a sense of what it might have been to go into the tomb. And we talked about it from the perspective of modern science. We talked about butterflies, and we even watched videos and learned how it is that butterflies shed their, or that caterpillars shed their skin several times, then turn themselves into a chrysalis and become goo in there, don't they? They completely go to goo. And we found out that there's something called imaginal cells. And imaginal cells hold the vision for what new is emerging. And without them, the butterfly would never come to be. It would just be caterpillar goo forever. So those imaginal cells change everything. And then we talked about ourselves as imaginal cells in the world that we're in, that we are living in a world that really requires a better vision, really requires a vision that what is happening now is divine order and that we are moving towards something that might look tremendously different from what we're actually experiencing. That we might not even be able to imagine what it is that will emerge from the experience that we're having on our planet in our world right now. So there was a point in the ceremony where you were invited to come up and uh, release your darkness, bring back the cloth that you were given, and you were given a little cord that looks like this. And if you were not here last week and you would like to have one, I have some extras of these little cords in my office. You can stop and see me afterward. But it's just a little thin thread, isn't it? It's really like when you tie a string around your finger to remind yourself of something. This is your reminder that we're in a 40-day transformative experience. And we picked 40 days because that's how long Christ stayed amongst the people when he came out of the tomb. In the story, it says that he came out of the tomb and he was around for 40 days. There's not a lot of information about what happened in that time, but there are some kind of important facts. Facts in the story, anyway. And one of those is that, uh, one that we don't hear about very often, is that um, inside the cave, when, when Jesus was put in the cave, put in the tomb, a cloth was put over his face. And... When the tomb was empty, one of the unique things about the empty tomb was that that cloth was taken off and folded and neatly set. So I'm thinking if I've been in a tomb overnight, I'm in a hurry to get out. I'm not going to do the linens. Okay? I'm wanting to get outside in the sunshine. This is not what counts. Why? Why did that happen? Well, the reason that it happened is because in that time, there was a custom uh, that when you sat to eat a meal, and you, at that time, they didn't have paper napkins, they would have had cloth. When you were done with the meal, if you were finished, you would simply set your cloth on top of the plate. 
And that was the indication to your host or the servants or whoever was there that they could remove your stuff from the table because you were finished. However, if you were not finished, you would fold your napkin neatly, your cloth, and set it next to your plate. And that would be the notice to the people around you that they should not take your plate yet because you weren't finished. So it was very symbolic for Jesus to fold that cloth and set it down. Very symbolic for, for providing the message, I'm not done yet. And we are placing ourselves in line with the way showers pattern, right? So there's a difference between dying, being in the blackness, and being born into something different and never accessing what's behind you, or dying, going into the blackness, remembering that you're not finished yet and still emerging. We are not finished yet. The fact that we have separated ourselves, died to many aspects of the ego self in order to step into our most holy divine center does not mean that this part that happened before has no value or that we're complete with it. And this is an important lesson because when we're looking to transform, when we are in the process of transformation, we kind of want to shut the door on that and start something else. And the frustrating thing is we can feel as though we failed if we're unable to do that. So this nuance in the story of the transformation of Jesus into the Christed, anointed self is an important nuance so that you can be kind and gracious to yourself when you find yourself pulled into pieces of the past that you have to complete. There were things that Jesus came back to do, but he said, don't touch me. That was his first response to Mary Magdalene, don't touch me, I'm not ready yet. He was very caring of this part of himself. So imagine when that little butterfly comes out of the chrysalis, if you were to go pull its wings out, spread, I'll spread those wings for you, what would happen? You would break the wings and the animal, the creature would cease to be. You are in this place right now. You are in a place of transformation. And even if you just walked here today, even if this is your first time being in this process, I, I choose to believe that you were called here this morning because you're in some transformation of your own, because this information is important to you. So... When a butterfly comes out of the chrysalis, the pressure of the chrysalis begins to move fluid into its wings. Because when, when those wings first come out, they're all bunched and crunched. They're not big and wide and smooth. In fact, they don't look like you could fly with them. They come out and fluid begins by the chrysalis to be pushed out to the, to the expanses of the wings. And that's an ongoing process, the pumping of that fluid till the wings are ready to fully expand takes time. And when, even when that happens, the wings are wet. You can't fly with wet wings. So they have to flap a bit, dry out. So what is happening for that creature in those moments? 
is not, it's not so unlike what happens to you when you wake up in the morning, is it? That you wake up and you stretch a bit and you stretch a bit more and you slowly open your eyes. Imagine the wonder of going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. What are those? Everything is different. So that butterfly doesn't, doesn't get birthed into a nest with many other chirping butterflies, right? It's different for little birds. They come into a whole family of birds, right? But that butterfly, which is a very fragile, very magical, very amazing creature, comes in alone, in the quiet, and takes time. This is important for you to think about. The fact that this creature exists is really quite fascinating, that the, the biology shows us what it does is really quite amazing. Such a good metaphor for the transformative process we're talking about being in. So it comes into a quiet place. It comes into stillness, and that's what we need to begin our journey of transformation. Quiet and stillness is quite a commodity in today's world, so much so that last year in Finland, they did a brand new marketing campaign. And the marketing campaign showed silhouettes of people sitting in beautiful places in nature, and it said underneath two words, quiet, please. They realized that they had something that you can't find in the world. That in Finland, there's quiet. We don't have a lot of that in our world. So in 1970, there was a big push to look at noise pollution. Some of you will remember that. And at that time, the uh, Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, made some recommendations. And one of the recommendations was that For you to live a healthy life as a human being, you should have an average, not a single exposure, but an average exposure to 50, no more than 55 decibels of noise in a 24-hour period. Okay? Anybody have any idea how much 55 decibels of noise is? So let me tell you that your refrigerator hums at about 60 decibels. The world was very different in the 70s than it is right now. Very, very different. Our, our electronics have a hum of their own. Our equipment has a hum of its own. Our traffic has a hum of about 85 to 90 decibels. A motorcycle is 95. A siren, 120, which is the same as a chainsaw at 120 decibels. We live in a world that is full of noise. And that noise has an impact on our body. So how we hear that noise is that it, it goes into our ear as a vibration. And when it gets to the inner ear, the equipment that we're born with translates that vibration into an electric impulse. And that electric impulse goes to the brain. And the first place it hits is the amygdala. And the amygdala is where we 
have our emotions and where we have our memories. So it keys the amygdala first. And we have a response to what we heard. That's going on all the time. Do not raise your hands. How many of you sleep with your radio, your white noise, your, your TV on? Okay, this process, if you are sleeping with noise, this process happens all the time there is noise. You, you're causing your brain to work all the time there is noise. And science has found that this is really detrimental, that our lack of silence is really detrimental, that the fact that we don't create a silent space actually triggers depression. A lot of times people sleep with the noise on because they're alone, and it stops them from hearing anything or makes them feel like there's someone more in the house. The problem is that's a really self-defeating process because it causes depression. It causes a lot of other things too. When you're constantly exposed, any of you have a very loud friend? I have very loud children. Do you know what happens when your children are very long for an extended period of time? You have to go sit on the porch so you don't do anything you'll regret doing later on. Right? When you're around very loud people, even if they are joyfully loud, it can be difficult on your body. It's difficult on your soul, difficult on your emotions. We are, by nature, a quieter species. So when we surround ourselves with activity, actions, equipment, and other people, we set ourselves up for a lot of things. When we get annoyed and agitated, we increase our blood pressure. They did a study in Europe in the 1990s, and they had uh, Western Europe, about 340 million people, and they took a look at the amount of sound that that 340 million people were impacted with in the course of a year and estimated through the impact of too much noise on the body that over 3 million living hours were lost. What I mean is over 3 million hours you could have continued to live would not happen because it was so damaging to the physical form. That's, that's pretty darn close to an hour a person, right? No, that's not good math. 340 million people and 3 million hours. Are you guys even listening? Yes. <laughs> Swears my mathematician somewhat have should, should have said Ariana. <laughs> The impact is still there. The impact is what we're talking about. When, when sound hits us and we surround ourselves with sound, it's devastating to us if we have no silence. Most recent studies are recommending two hours of silence a day for the body to heal and for the hippocampus to expand. And they're showing that if you give yourself two hours of silence a day, your brain actually changes to the positive. 
It's really quite fascinating to think about the world we live in and then explore your life and ask yourself, how much silence do you have? Very little, I suspect, for most of us. And we're lucky because we live in a place where silence is available to us. We live at the base of this beautiful mountain range. We can drive a short way up the pass and get out of a lot of the noise. And if you can't do that, there are things you can do in your home. You can cover your windows or double pane your glass. You can put uh, carpets in and things that soften the sound. You can put in earplugs if you need to. How many of you own a pair of noise-canceling headphones? So the first time I put a pair of noise-canceling headphones on, it was mind-blowing. I had no idea what what that kind of silence sounded like. It's really fascinating to think that, that for many of us, we don't even know what real, what real silence sounds like. So if you are in the process of transformation, you know you're not finished yet, right? You know you're not finished. You know that you're going to journey back and forward in the process of transformation then you need to be able to listen to figure out what this new transformation looks like. What is actually happening for you and what are you becoming? Because transformation is different than goal setting. Goal setting is, I'm doing this till I learn how to do this. Transformation is a process that happens that isn't planned. We are transforming. We don't know exactly what that is we're becoming. But we know that we're going to travel through this space for some time. And if we have ourselves surrounded by noise the whole time that we do this, we are getting signals that are triggering emotions inside of us because of the way our brain works that are masking what we most need to know right now, which is how do we really feel? Not when we're flooded with memories, not when we're responding to what's on the exterior, but how do we feel in our own body? How does this new form feel? What is it for? How do I use it? Who have I become? And what is mine to do? In the 40 days that Jesus was documented to have walked amongst the people, there are 10 to 12 incidents depending upon which Bible you follow, 10 to 12 incidents of his appearance. He showed up to help the fishermen catch fish. He showed up and had conversations. He came at one point into a dark room, where the, into a room where everyone was inside and the door was locked, and he still somehow came in. There are 10 to 12 incidents in 40 days What happened to the rest of the time? What was going on? The consideration is how much quiet was necessary? How much was that being learning to move from the old form into the new form? And he had gone through a dramatic change Think about what happened those days before. That that was a massive experience that required time to consider, to contemplate, to be still. 
the same as you would see in a butterfly. A massive change just took place. I need to think about that for a minute. Wow, is this different? What's happening with you right now is a wow, is this different opportunity. We watched the video earlier, and it was very poignant. You're either waking up or you're fooling yourself into believing that you're waking up, but you're not really applying yourself. If you really are choosing this as a time to wake up to what kind of transformation is available in your life, to who you are becoming, you need silence so that you can feel the movement of spirit within you, so that you can really understand what is being offered to you, so that you can expand your wings And you don't have to know exactly how that's going to happen because we don't have to know how the sun gets shined every day. Right? It happens. You will expand into who you are if you give yourself time for silence. I have some quotes for you. Florence Nightingale wrote, Unnecessary noise is the most cruel absence of care that can be inflicted on the sick or the well. Mother Teresa said, we need to find God and he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is the friend of silence. See how nature, trees, flowers, grass grows in silence. See the stars, the moon, and the sun, how they move in silence. We need silence to be able to touch souls. Leonardo da Vinci said, nothing strengthens authority so much as silence. Thomas Carlyle said, under all speech that is good for anything, there lies a silence that is better. Silence is deep as eternity. Speech is shallow as time. Khalil Gibran said, only when you drink from the river of silence shall you indeed sing. And Euripides said, silence is true wisdom's best reply. Mm 